This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Today is a very busy day in the life of BC seniors advocate Isabel McKenzie. Uh, She's been working on this report called A Billion Reasons to Care for quite some time now. The report is the first provincial review of the $1.4 billion contracted long-term care sector in our province. The review examined industry contracts annual audited financial statements, and detailed reporting on revenue and expenditures for the last few years. Uh, Isabel McKenzie is on the line right now in the wake of releasing this report today. Ms. McKenzie, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Isabel, it's Sterling. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Uh, this is all about co- co- contracted health care. So if I may, allow me to just read this into the record. It's from the executive summary of your report. In British Columbia, there are more than 27,000 seniors who live in one of 300 publicly funded long-care homes. These care homes are owned and operated by health authorities, private companies, and not-for-profit societies. There are are an estimated 3,000 seniors living in privately run care homes that do not receive any government funding. Those care homes were not part of the Advocates Review, this uh, one that you've just released, uh, released rather, a billion reasons to care. So talk to us about the 27,000 seniors that you do focus on in your report. And let's uh, have some of the findings, please. Well, what this report did was it looked at uh, where is this money going? The old follow the money uh, mantra uh, that can tell us a lot of information about what is the quality of care and, and where are people putting the resources that we give them. And what we found, we found a few things. So overall, we found that we don't really have a good handle on how this $1.3 billion is being spent. Mm. Uh, reporting systems different between uh, different uh, difference uh, between health authorities There's these big buckets of money uh, swashing around for things like management fees, head office allocations, et cetera, that nobody really knows what they're being spent on. Um, But what, uh, and there's this whole issue about capital building costs, because, Mm -hmm. of course, we are paying the mortgage principal and interest for a, uh, a care home we don't own, but we're paying the mortgage on it. So we need to be paying attention to that. Okay. So, but what we what we were struck by as we reviewed uh, all of the uh, financial information for the 174 care homes that were part of this review, which is 95 percent of the contracted sector, um, what we were struck by is how things were different between care homes, and so we tried to find uh, a pattern if we could, and the clusters that developed were. Here's what things look like if you're a for-profit care home, and here's what things look like if you're a not-for-profit care home, and they look very different, even though they both receive the same amount of public funding, and we send residents to either 
uh, for-profit or not-for-profit with no distinction. Interesting. Isabel, is there a third category or are those it, the the either for-profit or not-for-profit homes? This review, the $1.3 billion, is uh, the contracted sector has for-profit providers and not-for-profit providers. And that's what the majority of long-term care in this province is. So identify the distinctions, because clearly there are many, between for-profit care and not-for-profit care homes. Well, the first thing that jumps out is uh, not-for-profit care homes are spending a lot more of their money on direct care than the for-profits are. So not-for-profits are spending 59% of their uh, public funding on direct care. For-profits are only spending 49% on direct care. Hmm. That translates into $10,000 per resident per year of additional funded care if you're in a not-for-profit care home than if you're in a for-profit care home. It's 24% uh, more is being uh, expensed in the uh, not-for-profit sector. So then we looked at uh, the difference in terms of the funded hours of care. We all hear about that, the 3.36. But the other side of the story is, okay, we funded you to deliver 3.36 care hours. How many did you actually deliver? And that information, we find that from the information in the financials around the worked hours. Okay. And what we found was that uh, in 2017-18, which was the year we reviewed for this, we found that for-profit care homes failed to deliver 207,000 hours of funded care. The not-for-profit care homes exceeded their target and delivered 80,000 more care hours than they were funded to deliver. Then we found that for-profit operators generate 12 times the amount of profit or surplus that not-for-profits generate. It's 34.4 million in the for-profit sector and 2.8 million in the not-for-profit sector. Right. Then we found that for-profit operators expensed more than twice as much as the not-for-profits on their capital building costs. They expensed 20% versus 9%. I I should clarify, that's building costs overall, the majority of which are capital building costs. And what that is telling us is we are paying the mortgages, the interest, the principal, the depreciation costs. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. For the for-profit operators to a very much greater degree than we are to not-for-profit operators. And the public doesn't own those buildings but we're paying for them. I was just going to say, is that was that part of the original deal? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of negotiation that goes on to arranging these long-term contractual uh, government to private industry uh, uh, providers, but would that have been a, a, a substantial part of the negotiation? Okay, we're going to do this with the money. Oh, and by the way, you're going to pick up the tab for our mortgage. Well, uh, when you negotiate the contract, all of those things come into what we call your global funding or your per diem. And to be fair, Sterling, an operator needs to be paid for the use of their building, right? right? So um, that's, that's fair. So mm-hmm. the argument isn't, and if the way we're going to pay for it is you're going to take out a mortgage and, you know, whatever we pay you for month, per month, you're going to put to the mortgage. That's fair. That's fair and reasonable. 
But what we have here is we have two diametrically different pictures between care homes in the for-profit sector and care homes in the not-for-profit sector. You bet. So, uh, and we know that the for-profit sector is enjoying both the profits and the high uh, capital building uh, funding. The not-for-profits are not enjoying the profit, and they're not getting high capital funding. So they're not getting paid for their building in any way, shape, or form. They're not getting paid for it by the profit they generate. They're not getting paid for it through funded cap, uh, building capital. Hmm. And um, so what we, uh, and we, when we look, we find, okay, there are mortgage rates that are all over the map. There are uh, interest principal and depreciation expenses that have no standardization to them. We have no uh, ability to know if we're getting good value for money. You know, if a building is worth $5 million, what's a reasonable rate of return to use that building every year? Mm -hmm. We have no idea because that's not how we're approaching it. We're approaching it. Tell us what your mortgage is, and that's the expense. Now, to be fair, some operators will have more mortgage expense, and and they will have a deficit. Uh, 66% of care homes are making a profit, but that means that 34% aren't. And one of the big reasons they aren't is that their mortgage costs are high. But these are private businesses mm. who could be taking a building that's worth $5 million. It might have a $10 million mortgage on it because they have borrowed money against the building to do other things they've taken. it. We, we, have, uh, we have no idea if that is going on or not. Interesting. The other thing that um, was a finding was the cost per worked hour in the for-profit sector was lower for everybody, whether you're an RN, an LPN, or a care aid, the cost per hour worked was what for direct care was lower. Now the 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 cost per worked hour is not a wage rate. It is the total cost to put somebody on the unit. Right. So it's I'm yes, I'm paying you Sterling, you know, to be here, but I've also had to pay for your vacation. I've had to pay for somebody else to be here when you're on vacation. Right. I've had to pay right. So it rolls up into this number. So what we found was across the board uh, it's lower in for-profit versus not-for-profit. And when we tried to find wage rates, because the wage rates are, you know, obscured a bit in the cost per hour work, we were able to find a wage rate that was uh, as much as $6.63 less, or 28% less, than the industry standard wage rate that would be paid by any operator who's part of the master collective agreement. Not many in the contracted sector are part of the master collective agreement. Those who are are uh, predominantly uh, not-for-profit operators. So that is also an issue when we think about um, the very tight labor market that we have in British Columbia. Yeah. And that if you're going out with uh, a job offer of $16 and um, 35, or I think it's $16.65 or something, uh, compared to almost $24. People are going to be more attracted to the $24, uh, $23.48 an hour job versus the $16.85 an hour No question job. about it. Isabel, I'm almost out of time. I regret to have to tell you, but before I let you go, uh, and I intend to read more of this, I have the executive summary in front of me, but uh, to, to really dive into the numbers and so on. But I think what a lot of people listening to this, uh, some of them in, in rather uh, to considerable amazement, would, I said, sort of boils down to, does this affect the quality of life 
of residents in these care homes. For example, do people living in for-profit facilities enjoy a diminished quality of life and service versus those who live in a not-for-profit environment? Well, I think we cannot make a conclusive statement about that based on this report. This is a report about the, the financing and the money, Sterling. What I would like people to consider, however, is that there, there is whether what amount is paid for capital, that's a financial issue and a taxpayer issue. Yep. But on the wages, what I would ask people to uh, remember or think about is, uh, I think what we're seeing here is some storm clouds gathering that we have to address. Because if we're going to allow uh, contracted care home operators to spend uh, to keep the basically the surplus between what we fund them to pay for direct care and what they paid it to deliver that direct care, um, we're going to create uh, some bigger problems around recruitment and retention. And it's really about incentives. You know, the care home operators, both the for-profits and the not-for-profits, Sterling, they have simply followed the guidelines, of rules, and incentives that are in place. This is not their fault. What this is is a result of a... Uh, funding framework and a a financial monitoring system that is telling us, I'm not sure we have a a firm grip on this $1.3 million, a billion dollars, $1.3 billion we're spending every year. Interesting stuff. And of course, when it's when we're talking something point three billion dollars, then bang for the buck suddenly isn't just a cliche. It's a very serious uh, question yep. uh, that uh, taxpayers actually uh, should focus on demanding answers for. Uh, thank you for providing the framework for the next level of discussion, Isabel, because clearly some work needs to be done here. Yes, yes, I think that's very clear. Thanks for this. We appreciate your time and good work. Thank you very much, Stuart. The report is called A Billion Reasons to Care, and it is available online at the office of the BC Seniors Advocate, Isabel McKenzie, and we thank her for joining us this morning.